You're listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. I'm Garrett Ashley Mullet, and I want to talk about everything. Tell me the name of our country's last vice president. Dick Cheney? No, the last one. Bill Clinton. No, Clinton's vice president. He is here today to talk to you students about some very serious issues. Please welcome Al Gore. Who? Thank you, Mr. Mackey, students of South Park Elementary. I'm here to educate you about the single biggest threat to our planet. You see, there is something out there which threatens our very existence and may be the end to the human race as we know it. I'm talking, of course, about man-bear-pig. Man-bear-pig? It is a creature which roams the earth alone. It is half man, half bear, and half pig. Some people say that Man-Bear-Pig isn't real. Well, I'm here to tell you now, Man-Bear-Pig is very real, and he most certainly exists. I'm serial. Man-Bear-Pig doesn't care who you are or what you've done. Man-Bear-Pig simply wants to get you. I'm super serial. But have no fear, because I am here to save you, and someday, When the world is rid of Man-Bear-Pig, everyone will say, thank you, Al Gore. You're super awesome. The end. Okay, thank you, Mr. Gore. Thank you, class. Excelsior! Welcome back to the Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. This is Garrett Ashley Mullet. You just listened to the clip from South Park pertaining to Al Gore and Man-Bear-Pig. Half man, half bear, half pig. If the math doesn't make sense, well, neither does the math make sense with regards to the claims about an existential crisis in uh, the climate. So there you have it. And the computer models are based on junk in. Of course, they're going to bring junk out again in terms of conclusions, which if we are not super sciencey, like Al Gore in that South Park episode, we will uh, make some very bad decisions and give some very bad people, some very uh, ignorant people at best, but some very corrupt people, a whole lot of our future, our children's future, our grandchildren's future, et cetera, et cetera. So don't do that. Uh, Do go back and listen to yesterday's episode. If you haven't yet, Al Gore wants to save the planet from us, not for us, where I talk more in depth about the whole subject of climate change, the climate accords, climate councils, climate central committee, climate Soviet, whatever you want to call it in Glasgow, Scotland, which Al Gore did an interview talking from about 300 satellites 
they're going to use starting next year to monitor emissions, carbon emissions, greenhouse gas emissions all over the planet, and I quote, hold them responsible who are emitting the carbon. But in this episode, I don't want to talk about that anymore for the moment. Let's put that aside. I want to talk about the Kyle Rittenhouse case. This is, by the way, episode 250 of this podcast. It is November 11th, 2021. And I've got to say, just to start out, Kyle Rittenhouse, 17-year-old kid roaming the streets of Kenosha, Wisconsin with an open carry AR-15 slung around his neck and shoulders, first aid kit, had some training in first aid, in EMT type services, practices, and he was doing a good deed. He was doing a good deed. Now we can disagree about whether he should have been there, whether that was wise, whether that was prudent, whether that was smart, but there's no question in my mind that what he was doing was right. It was right. And the very fact that he got attacked, violently attacked, there were three men who were threatening him with a deadly weapon, who were threatening him verbally, and he defended himself. He used a firearm with deadly force, with deadly effect against two of those men, shot yet another, a third, who had a gun pointed at him, shot the guy's bicep off, which is not the shot you should go for. You should uh, double tap two to the head, one to the chest, two to the chest, one to the head, aim for center mass. Uh, But hey, you know what? If you happen to take his bicep off and he gets to live uh, a full life with the exception of uh, one of his arms, uh, you know, good on you. I can't criticize you for that. But Kyle Rittenhouse takes the stand in his own defense yesterday and is being questioned in a court of law. His life hangs in the balance, absolutely. His integrity, his credibility, his character is very much on trial. And his freedom moving forward is at stake. If he answers wrongly, if he says the wrong thing, they can absolutely destroy the rest of his life. He will no longer have the rest of his life. But in a certain sense, his life is already forever altered, forever impacted by what it is that happened that night in Kenosha, Wisconsin. His life will never be the same, regardless of whether the motion by the defense to dismiss all charges, to dismiss the case, uh, mistrial with prejudice, I believe is the motion that they filed end of day yesterday, regardless of whether the case is dismissed and thrown out and all charges are dropped against him, which never should have been brought to begin with, by the way. Kyle Rittenhouse will never be the same again. He has trauma. And if you want to understand the kind of trauma that he has now better, 
I highly recommend a very difficult book to read, On Killing, by Lieutenant Colonel David Grossman. I've talked about it a lot on this podcast, but there's a reason for that. And Grossman goes into the dynamics psychologically, mentally, emotionally, which every human being who is made in the image of God who's dealing with other human beings made in the image of God has to face in some form or fashion. You have to reckon with the fact that we are not created to take one another's lives violently or otherwise. And what I learned, I'll share it with you in the meantime, uh, in case you don't read Grossman's book or in the meantime between now and when you do read Grossman's book, the long and short of it is that The less psychological distance, the less physical distance there is between you and another human being who is either kill or be killed, the greater the trauma, the greater the toll psychologically that experience takes on you forever after. You might be physically fine, but you're never going to be right in the head again those images, that scene, that scenario, that situation, if you come out of it alive, will forever be with you. And so you have on that night, I believe it was August 25th, 2020, a little over a year ago, the riots are happening in Kenosha, Wisconsin over the police shooting of Jacob Blake. Jacob Blake had repeatedly sexually assaulted his ex-girlfriend, the cops had been called. The cops respond to the call. Jacob Blake has this woman's children in her car, and he is there to take her car and her children, who knows where. And the police have an incident with him in which they are giving a lawful order, stop, 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 stop. Jacob Blake is not stopping. He is not responding to a lawful order, which he was not being given because he's a black man in America. He was being given because he was a reprobate, because he was an evil, wicked, corrupt, depraved man acting according to his nature. He doesn't stop. He continues on belligerently for the driver's side door of this vehicle, opens the door. And for law enforcement in that moment, they don't know what he's got on the floor. He doesn't necessarily have peaceful intentions, not if his present conduct and demeanor and way of relating are any indication, but even if they were peaceful up to that moment, by nature of law enforcement's challenges and experience, they can't afford to assume that his intentions are peaceful. So he opens that door, he starts leaning in, and whether he did in fact have a weapon although I think he did, if memory serves, whether he did in fact have a weapon on the floorboard, under the seat, in the glove compartment, whatever, it really is beside the point. They have to assume that he does have a weapon. And so they shoot. They fire on Jacob Blake, a black man. They don't kill him, but he is paralyzed. Last I read, last I heard, he is paralyzed from the waist down, which is probably good news to his ex-girlfriend. That's probably a relief given the fact that he had 
harassed her, tormented her, sexually assaulted her multiple times, allegedly. Probably a relief to her that he is no longer able to harm her anymore. But by the fact of his being a black man in America and this being law enforcement and his having been shot and the rank dishonesty of our media and the corruption of our politicians on the left, Democrats seized on this, the media seized on this, Black Lives Matter and Antifa seized on this as a good excuse to do some more burning of buildings, some more terrorizing of the populace, some more lecturing us all about our DNA being chock full of racism. And so what you had was you had riots. You had riots in Kenosha, Wisconsin, violent, threatening, destructive riots. And here you have Mr. Rittenhouse, 17 years old. He wants to be a cop when he grows up. He is already trying to train towards that goal. Seems like a very dedicated young man who's taking seriously that he knows what he wants to do when he grows up. And he wants to do it for the right reasons, it certainly seems, from what I've seen, what I've read. And so he's there. He's there in Kenosha, open carrying with other friends who are going to try and keep the peace. And they're going to try and put a check on the chaos and the anarchy. And he's got a friend who's got a small business that... He doesn't particularly want to see looted and burned to the ground as so many other small businesses across the country last year in recent years have been burned to the ground, looted. He's there and he, from everything I've seen and heard, was operating in good faith when one and then two and then three of these leftist rioters, these anarchists, attacked him verbally threatened to kill him, attacked him with deadly weapons, and he defended himself. Two of those men, two of those three, died of their wounds. The third was able to testify this week in court about his bicep being vaporized and how he had been pointing a Glock at Mr. Rittenhouse on the ground. Kyle Rittenhouse is on the ground in the street, because he's just been hit in the face with a skateboard. The guy that hit him in the face with a skateboard got shot, as memory serves. I think that was one of the two gentlemen who died of his wounds. But this third guy is approaching him. He's within three to five feet with a Glock pointed at Kyle Rittenhouse when Kyle Rittenhouse fires his AR at this guy, neutralizing his ability to threaten Mr. Rittenhouse's life any longer. It was a good shoot. It was a good shoot. Whether we would have advised the 17-year-olds in our lives to be there in Kenosha, Wisconsin, doing what Mr. Rittenhouse was doing that evening is really beside the point. We have bigger fish to fry. If the best we can do in this moment, in this circumstance, is lecture Mr. Rittenhouse and wax eloquent about how that wasn't very good. That wasn't very prudent. That wasn't very wise. Now you've got to pay the consequences. Then heaven help us. God have mercy on us because we really are lost. And there's a, 
A bit of commentary from J.D. Vance that I want to read for you, posted at Not The Bee. I think it captures this sentiment that I feel also very, very well. He tweets out on November 10th. I took a brief break to watch the Rittenhouse testimony, and it fills me with indescribable rage. I am not a criminal lawyer. I am sure people are right that it's risky for him to testify. But our leaders abandoned this kid's community to lawless thug rioters, and he did something about it. And now a lawless thug prosecutor is trying to destroy his life. I just watched a boy recount an act of offensive violence committed against him and break down in tears. Everyone, from the journalists who condoned this violence to the President of the United States who called this kid a white supremacist, is culpable for this. We leave our boys without fathers. We let the wolves set fire to their communities. And when human nature tells them to go and defend what no one else is defending, we bring the full weight of the state and the global monopolists against them. And I quote. And I quote. J.D. Vance, I couldn't have said it better myself. That's it in a nutshell. The thing that makes me so angry about this situation is that there should have been a lot more Kyle Rittenhouses on the streets of Kenosha, Wisconsin. And every other one of these cities that leftist rioters and looters, violent antagonists, looted and burned and terrorized last year. There should have been a lot more Kyle Rittenhouses. If this were my 17-year-old son, I'd either say, you're not going anywhere, you're staying right here, or I'm coming with you. It is a travesty that a 17-year-old felt like there was no one else stepping up to the plate, aside from his friends. His buddies were also out there with him, but There was no one else out there defending the streets, defending this city, defending his community, defending his friend, defending his loved ones, defending this country. It's a travesty that a 17-year-old young man, now 18, felt that this was necessary. It's a travesty that there were riots in the first place, But part of the reason why there were riots one after another, after another, after another, on the flimsiest of grounds, on entirely racist grounds, actually, those riots were racist. Those riots were themselves racist. When the very fact that a black man gets shot by law enforcement is enough to burn down a city, regardless of the conduct of that black man, how he's relating to law enforcement, what his criminal record is, what he was doing when he got shot, Just the fact that he's black and we presume that no black man should ever be shot for any reason whatsoever. He should just be able to do whatever he wants and get away with it. That's racist. That's actually racist. That's black supremacy. And our media pushes it nonstop at any cost. They do not care what the cost is because to them, it isn't about the black man. It's about getting power for themselves. It's about getting control in the chaos, using these leftist anarchists to get themselves into power. It's terrorism, plain and simple. Don't tell me that we shouldn't 
classify Antifa and Black Lives Matter as terrorist organizations. Don't tell me about how noble and nuanced their goals and aims are. They're terrorist organizations when they are threatening American men, women, and children and have actually literally killed people and burned down American cities before our eyes. Don't tell me that we shouldn't classify those organizations as terrorist organizations. When the FBI can classify parents who show up to PTA meetings, school board meetings, to protest their children being molested and raped even and taught to be little Marxists and being forced to cover their faces, dehumanized. When the FBI can consider parents speaking up in defense of their children, domestic terrorists, potential domestic terrorists, put them on watch lists, investigate them. Don't you tell me that Antifa and Black Lives Matter should get a free pass. They get enough of a free pass. But half the reason why we're in this situation that we're in is because of the dishonesty, the evil, vicious, wicked, demonic nature of the left in this country, the establishment media, the Democratic Party, Democrat politicians, these activist organizations, their super wealthy, radical chic financiers. The other half is the Republicans and the conservatives and the folks with some decency and the common sense crowd who knows that this is wrong but hides under the bed until it all blows over, except it won't blow over. It'll get worse and worse and worse. The more you give terrorists, the more you try to buy off the barbarians rather than facing them on the field of battle, the more they're going to just come back again and again and again and until they've conquered Rome. Until they have sacked Rome, they are not going to stop. They're only going to be more bold. And you're filling their war chests in the meantime for that time when you finally say enough is enough. It is Hitler's German army crossing the Rhine and the French letting them do it instead of pushing them right back into Germany. It is the generals, the high command in the German military, hoping for some easy button to depose Hitler. And then when the easy button doesn't show up, they let things continue on until millions and millions and millions of people are dead, until all the cities of Europe are bombed out, smoking craters. That's what it is that I see in this Kyle Rittenhouse situation. But Kyle Rittenhouse, in my book, is a hero. That young man is a hero, not just because he shows up in Kenosha, Wisconsin, when so many grown men of all walks were hiding under their beds. But it gets better because Kyle Rittenhouse, he's trying to de-escalate. He's got a weapon and the left loses their minds at the fact that you've got a 17-year-old kid running around with an AR-15. Uh, yeah, when was the last time you paid attention to the United States military? Lots of 17-year-olds, 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds, 20-year-olds with firearms who defend our liberties. That's nothing new. Help you. Oh, but he's carrying a weapon. That is what escalated this to violence. No, no, no. 
No, no, no. I've seen plenty of footage. I've read far too many stories of these riots turning into dead men, women, and children because a person of the wrong skin color or political affiliation took a wrong turn down the wrong street, pulled out of their car, blindsided, punched in the side of the head, knocked out, kicked and beaten because they were the wrong skin color, because they were the wrong political affiliation, because they were, they were easy. They were close at hand. And these brute beasts cannot be reasoned with, but they do have an instinct for self-preservation. And so if you put up, they will shut up. If you carry a deadly weapon, it's just like a threat display. My son, Josiah, my oldest son, 14 years old, Josiah Mullet, his commentary on this last night when I was explaining the Kyle Rittenhouse case to him was, it's just like a threat display. It's just like some venomous snake having very bright colors that let a potential predator of that snake know, I have venom, I am this particular kind of snake, don't mess with me. The snake doesn't have those colors because the snake wants to pick a fight. The snake has those colors because the snake doesn't want to be bothered. The snake just wants to go about its snaky business. Pufferfish inflate themselves. Spikes all over their bodies, when they feel threatened, they puff up to look much bigger than they actually are. To deter an attack, not to provoke one. It is all throughout the animal kingdom that you have males in particular of the species, but also females, who make threat displays to try and prevent a fight rather than provoke a fight. And as far as I'm concerned, that's why Mr. Rittenhouse was carrying an AR-15 in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Ironically, counterintuitively, I think he was doing it to de-escalate, to prevent an attack, except he was so outnumbered and those leftists were so unhinged, and they also, some of them were carrying firearms, that some very stupid leftists thought, when he's not looking, I'll whack him in the face, knock him out with a skateboard. And if they had knocked him out, I wouldn't doubt for a second that he'd be dead. If they had knocked him unconscious with a skateboard, I wouldn't doubt for a second he would have been kicked and beaten and shot until dead. But thank God, he's alive. And we should stand behind him. We should stick up for this kid because this kid needs to be more of us. This kid is an example. The left sees him as an example to make him an example for all of us. Don't you dare stand up to our mostly peaceful activists. Don't you dare stand up to us. We will show up at your house in the middle of the night and harass you with your family standing behind you in the hallway. We will wake you up in the middle of the night. We will make your life unbearable, unlovable. Even if you're a Democrat, you dare to stand up against the agenda of the left. We're not above filming you in the bathroom and harassing you. You're not even going to be safe in the bathroom until we get what we want from you. And once we get what we want from you, we will be back once we decide we want something else. Give a mouse a cookie, he'll ask for a glass of milk. I watched Kyle Rittenhouse take to the stand yesterday in his own defense, and he's asked questions about what happened that night. Can you describe what happened here, and then what happened, and then what about this, and what were you thinking, and then what did this guy say, and then what did you do? And this kid had an absolute nervous breakdown for the entire world to see. 
And my heart breaks for him. My heart breaks for him. And I seethe. I am with J.D. Vance. I am filled with indescribable rage at the prosecutor who brought these charges against this young man for political reasons, for political purposes, to score points or to save his own neck because you don't give the left what they want. They show up at the prosecutor's house. How could you? How could you not file charges against this kid? How could you not bring charges? How could you not try to destroy his life? Didn't you see what he did? Didn't you see how he had the gall, the temerity, the audacity to stand up to us and tell us no? Destroy him or we're going to destroy you. So here's the prosecutor and the judge. I like the judge in this case. The judge let this prosecutor absolutely have it. The judge was livid because this lawyer is being an activist. He's not being a lawyer. He's not practicing law anymore. He is being an activist. He's being a tool of the left. He's negotiating with terrorists to to either try and save his own neck or advance his career or ingratiate himself or whatever. And I really do. I hope that this gets dismissed. I hope it gets dismissed. It should be. It should be dismissed. What is this kid's crime? Having more guts, having more balls than the vast majority of us. That's it. Having more guts and less sense than I would want my son when he's 17 years old to have. But then again, if the biggest complaint I've got is you're way outnumbered, then maybe the solution isn't for Kyle Rittenhouse to stay home. Maybe the solution is you need to have a lot more guys coming to help. Let's make some phone calls. We're going to be out there in force, in strength. This is a basic tenet of civilization that you don't let barbarians and lawless thugs burn down your city. That's a basic 101, manhood 101. And Kyle Rittenhouse gets full marks for having lived up to that when so few men in this country did this past year. He shouldn't be on trial. He should be thrown a parade. Or at a minimum, leave the kid alone. Leave that kid alone. He has suffered enough. You know, if if he did a stupid thing, he has suffered more than you can know already. Because every night, every day, he is reliving those moments. And he's replaying it in his head. And he's asking himself, did I make a bad decision? Did I make the wrong call? Did I misunderstand what was going on? Did I miss an opportunity to de-escalate? What could I have done differently? Because however bad those three men were who attacked him violently, they are still made in the image of God. And but for the grace of God, there go we also. And what makes Kyle Rittenhouse even more of a hero in my mind is the fact that he knew, he knew that he was going to fall apart up there. And he got up on the stand anyways and gave an account for his actions and tried anyway, tried to give an account for what had happened that night. If that is not courage, if that is not heroism, then I guess I don't understand what courage and heroism are. But I think that's courage and heroism. I got to leave it there, though. That's all for this episode. I got to run. If you hear a weird squeaking noise in the background, I don't know if this microphone will pick it up. 
apparently one of my sons has a very, very annoying alarm sound on his Kindle. And his Kindle is in the living room. And I thought I turned off the alarm. But I don't know how he made that sound or he got that sound. It sounds like air being slowly let out of a balloon. And it just is, it plays on a loop. Uh, that's one way to wake up. <laughs> that's one way to start your day. Uh, personally, I prefer my internal clock just telling me, hey, it's 4.35 a.m. Time to get up, guy. But in any event, that's all I've got for this episode. As always, thank you for listening. Be praying for Kyle Rittenhouse. Uh, My heart goes out to him. As always, thank you for listening. Until next time, God bless. You've been listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. For more content like what you just heard, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Also check out thegarrettashleymulletshow.com to subscribe to email alerts when new episodes are published. As always, you can reach me with any comments, questions, complaints, objections, or insights at garrettashleymullet at protonmail.com. Thank you.